everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Hope everybody doing well, on this Tuesday afternoon, sort of an overcast day. Decent chance of rain for the next few days as it's not quite as hot as it had been. Again, hope everybody doing well. It's the regular Tuesday drive. Bill, Dan, and Drew getting ready to take you through the next couple of hours with our regular Tuesday guests. Barrett Selly from CBSSports.com and SiriusXM. And Jake Crane of Crane & Company, although... The times are going to be a little different. Barrett's, Barrett should be on at his regular time. Yeah, Jake's going to join us at 5 o'clock. He's got something uh, He's got something going on. He's got a lot of different stuff going on. He's moving into a house or whatever. Right. So he's... Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I saw the I, I saw the, the pictures. Oh, are there pictures. home improvement pictures oh, everywhere? Yes. He, he, oh, yeah. he texted oh, me. Yeah. He, I'm, I'm out of that loop gracefully. Uh, but but the... Uh, uh, yeah, he, he's going to join us at 5 o'clock with, uh, with, with his perspective on things. And, and yeah, as we're a couple days out from SEC Media Days, uh, lots more uh, talk and, and focus on uh, the upcoming college football season uh, this week. It, it's moved away away from uh, who's going to play in what conference and uh, how, how big are the media rights contracts going to get. It's, it's moving a little bit towards who's going to be out there this fall and, and, and what teams uh, could, be, uh, could be meeting expectations, ex- exceeding expectations, and, and, who, and who could disappoint. Well, and, and uh, you, you were just mentioning another article today, this one from Barrett's uh, cohort there at uh, CBS, Dennis Dodd. Who uh, who has Brian Harson tied for the third hottest seat in the country? Yeah, so uh, they they do the annual uh, hot seat rankings over at CBSSports.com. Dennis Dodd wrote these, as you said, Bill. Uh, we'll, we'll talk with Barrett about it at the, at the bottom of the hour. But but they've been, as they mention, uh, they've been fairly accurate in projecting job security. They mention in the article that over the last five seasons, uh, so they do it on a zero to five scale. Right. Five meaning you uh, you are in urgent trouble. Zero meaning you are as secure a- as you could possibly be. Nick Saban is, is rated a zero in the uh, the hot seat that, rankings uh, this year. So uh, over the last five seasons, uh, they have given 35 coaches a four or higher in the preseason 23 of those coaches lost their jobs by the end of the season. So about right. 60, yeah. 66% of the coaches who are rated a four or higher in the college hot seat rankings lose their job uh, by, by the end of the season. There are two coaches in Power 5 football going into this season that have been rated a five in the college hot seat rankings, according to CBS One of Sports. them, I'm, you know, we've talked about that we're both 
absolutely shocked that he that he's still the head coach. And the other one probably wouldn't still be the head coach if he wasn't a a, a great former player in the history of his alma mater where he's currently coaching. Those two coaches are Herm Edwards at Arizona State and Scott Frost at Nebraska. Those mm-hmm. are the two coaches rated uh, with a five in CBSSports.com's college hot seat rankings. The coaches in Power 5 football who are rated a four, there are three of them. Uh, do you do you know who the three of them are in the uh, in, in the rankings? The three coaches. Well, they I know were, that Brian Harson is one. of Brian Harson's one of the three fours. Uh, the the other uh, two. Willie Taggart. Well, well power no, five. No, 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 because they were talking about that they, the guys that had been. I skimmed through the article. Both ACC. If it helps. Uh, I'm surprised that Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech is rated as one of the two fours, according to there. I mean, I do, I do know that, yeah. I think the assumption was he was given a lot of time because you're transitioning from Paul Johnson's option attack to something else. Nobody's uh, given a lot of time. But no one's given a anymore. lot of time anymore, and, and even even with an excuse like that, you know, I, I, I imagine uh, they're expecting to see results at Georgia Tech, or there could be a change from, from Jeff Collins, who was highly regarded when he got there. Dino Babers is, is the other oh, one okay, at, at that's Syracuse, right, that's right. which makes some sense. That, that That's a program that uh, was, uh, was uh, it it started to uh, to veer towards trouble yes. a couple of seasons ago. Anyway, so with with that being said, I, it, it should be easier for Auburn to exceed expectations because, like I said yesterday, um, when we were talking about media days, and we have news about that uh, that we'll get to here momentarily, I said Auburn's going to be picked low, and I think mm-hmm. that I think that will be the case. So, uh, may, I mean, I think the bar is going to be set low. But the the, uh, the 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 temperature is not set so low, and and I would I would separate those two things because the hot seat rankings. I know they they project their ability to you know they, they're bragging about their ability to to you know predict who yeah, but who that lost also means twelve of the thirty five that were four or fives are still around, and I, I'd like to I'd like to go back and see all the lists w- of the fours. W- wouldn't and fives. mind seeing how they did, but the. Um, it, it's important to remember too. This is more of a snapshot of where things are now, right? Like, it's, right. I mean, when they when they say that a, I mean, even in their own scale, they say a four means start improving now. Yes, and I would say that's not. I mean, that's that's a fair description for yes. the pressure that Brian Harson sure. is under I, I this so. season in in year two, and and uh, and th- there's, I mean, I, I guess he's he's under more pressure to improve now than anyone else in the SEC because the other coaches that are under, I think, a lot of pressure to improve right now are first-year coaches, right? When you look at places where... Uh, I'd, I'd say Eli Drinkwitz is... Eli is, Drinkwitz is, is, is fair, who I, I actually don't... I'm going to check, right? But, I, but Probably I, don't a think, three. I don't think those Tigers' expectations on a yearly basis are at the level that Auburn's are. That's that's fair, and, and I think... Uh, uh, the the expectations were probably a little different from the replacing of Barry Odom to mm-hmm. to uh, Eli Drinkwitz versus Gus Malzahn and what he had going uh, when when Auburn decided to go with with Brian Harson instead. But yeah, so I mean, it's a uh, it's another indication that there are uh, some uh, polarizing views about uh, about this upcoming season and uh, what's both both what's at stake uh, for Brian Harson and for Auburn. Uh, if if Auburn were to uh, were to disappoint in the SEC West, but also yeah, the fact that there are some people who are, who are taking sort of a, a a muted view of of what Auburn can achieve this year, and and as we're saying, Bill, I mean th- those folks could end up being right, but at least I, mean, I don't I don't want to lump you in with this, but th- those you know some of those folks could end up being right, but but I do think the SEC West is at the moment at least 
Like it, it seems to be a highly competitive division. I don't see a team, even if some folks maybe think that's Auburn, that's way behind or significantly behind the rest Shouldn't, of the pack. That doesn't appear that it should be. Right. Doesn't appear that it should. Be. The wheels could fall I off mean, a team, and, I, they, and they could they could end I, up I being think, at the back I think, of the pack. Uh, I think there have been a couple of other. I think there have been other cases that you forget after the year when a team or two has really struggled. You forget that those teams might have been thought to be better. I mean, there have been some situations where it appeared that everybody in the West was, and, and you know, there have been years when everybody in the West is pretty good, makes it to a bowl game, things like that. So uh, it's, it's not that terribly abnormal. Uh, it's just that a couple of programs had been struggling and had better years last year. So, but with the way things are rolling in the West right now for a lot of these programs, at least on the surface, you really don't want to be that program that like that that it's it's imperative that you you know you you keep pace with the rest of the division. Oh, you at don't the need to have least. multiple off years. Oh, for oh yes, then then the like same coach yeah. doesn't need to have back to back subpar years, and that gets back to the. You know the the lack of patience anymore yes. in the, in, oh, yes. in, the, in college football, especially to start your tenure. Mm-hmm. Right, it's, it's really tough to. I was reading about Mike Norvell, who I think probably should be. What was he ranked? He was it, a three, which is crazy to me because I he I would should say be a four I, for sure. I think Mike Norvell is. I mean, there's there's. It's hard to imagine Florida State going. Oh, that's okay. Have another. You know. Just mediocre season. It's hard to imagine you could be under 500 in the ACC three years into your tenure at Florida State and be on solid ground moving forward, especially... Because I feel almost contractually obligated to mention this every time, uh, every every time we talk about Florida State football, especially when Deion Sanders is doing what he's doing at Jackson State and making it only, you know, there's only more of a microscope on what the Florida State coach can accomplish in contrast to what Deion Sanders is doing. So yeah, I I, I think Mike Norvell's probably um, you, you don't there there are some places where you want to be underrated. Mike Norvell was probably underrated on this hot seat ranking. Uh, of of where coaches should be because I yeah I think he's under uh, as much pressure when you separate Herm Edwards and Scott Frost Mike Norvell's under as much pressure to improve oh, as I, as anyone else in in Power Five college football it just seems it, it seems unthinkable that they could be middle of the pack again without you know without without real waves being made in Tallahassee in in the in the aftermath of the season uh, back to SEC media days just yesterday we were saying any time. The uh, the attendees for each school would be announced, and it came this morning. And uh, really, no surprise. I think I think we had them pegged for the for the three Auburn representatives. They were they are Derek Hall, John Samuel Schenker, and Tank Bigsby. That's right. And we discussed sort of our thought process. We had a caller last week asking about why uh, who Auburn might take and why and and there you know there are veteran offensive linemen that would have been good choices right. too uh John Samuel's just sort of been really outspoken in his he, he's been he's been one of the the leaders and uh has been you know very uh, he's been he's been very available to the press he's shown the ability to uh express himself very well i mean obviously we we had the opportunity had him on all last fall and know the kind of job that he will do representing Auburn. Yeah, John Samuel and Derek uh, you and talk Derek about Hall leaders are, yeah. of the team on offensive defense. I think you start with Derek Hall and John Samuel. Yeah, I mean it, it's not it's not difficult to imagine the guys a scenario. who are out there and 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 you know 
um, sort of appreciate being out there representing Auburn. Exactly. I mean, and, and you know, they, they've been positioned as as leaders. They're clearly, you know, when when other players talk about them, uh, that they're talked about as leaders. They're two of the more veteran players on the team in, in number of career games played uh, in an Auburn uniform. So, yeah, I think it's it's a pair of natural choices for the offense and defense in in John Samuel Schenker and Derek Hall. And then there's Tank Bigsby, who's probably the most high profile yes. player on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the uh, one of one of the lone five star recruits coming out of high school on the team and a guy who's had a great Auburn career through two years and who maybe isn't a senior might be playing his last year of college football. So it makes sense oh, probably for, a, is, for, for yes. a couple of reasons that, that Tank Bigsby would get a shot at SEC Media Days. And he's also a, uh, a another uh, great representative of, of Auburn and a guy who uh, you know has a uh, has a a unique sort of uh, charisma, unique sort of magnetism. He, he will he will be. Uh, I mean, uh, there will there will be so many questions. People will want to hear his his reasoning and why he came back to Auburn. Um, I know. also I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he's gonna he's gonna look pretty stylish too. That's my that's my knowing knowing yeah. Tank knowing a little bit about Tank. I could I, I, I could see I would think that's fair. I, I, I could see him I could see him putting it on in uh, in Atlanta next week. All right, uh, uh, we we will give you the other representatives for the SEC schools, and of course uh, jump into any conversation you would like to have. Uh, let's remind you of a few things. Hour number one of the drive brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. Also, the sponsor of our hotline where you can get through to us. Give us a call. Um, 334-321-1390. You can also text the show 334-564-1840 on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Our big, uh, you know, big, big fans of the folks over at Southeastern Industrial Contractors, including our buddy Derek. Uh, but it's, uh, uh yeah, it's looking, looking forward to, you know, get, getting to see, uh, you know, the, the different coaches and players that are uh, making the trip to Atlanta next week. It, it's a, and maybe it comes with the era, but it does seem like there's there's more program to program. And, and you know what? It probably has to do with the lack of patience because you're more likely to be optimistic if you just hired the guy. So now that there's less patience, there's more optimism because there are new – there are more – Well, there are I think, more. I think it's about the same every year. If you're not – if your fan base isn't pretty optimistic, then then yeah, you're you're probably about to make a change. But there are probably more first and second year coaches at, at media days this year than there usually are because we had there were a lot of first year coaches last. There year. were a lot of first year coaches last year, and a couple yep. of guys are, and that's you know first first and second year. That's the honeymoon phase, right? And then, right. And then let's see how many of them get a third year at SEC media days. You know, it remains remains to be seen. But uh, it, yeah, I think you know it's a uh, it's generally a pretty optimistic time. Of the of the season because everyone's still undefeated, uh, but but I think especially with uh, the, maybe it's the number of new programs, maybe it's the amount of success uh, that the teams around the SEC are having. It does seem like it's, you know around the conference, teams are especially optimistic of their chances, or at least maybe not even their chances this year, but just sort of like the direction things mm-hmm. are going for their different. Because even when we say there's optimism. There's an optimistic program in the West that maybe doesn't think they're going to beat Alabama this year. There's an optimistic program in the East, or doesn't or not. Not no not Who? not doesn't think so, but like the you know what I mean like the fan maybe the expectations are they can have a good year without beating well without yeah, beating yeah, Alabama I mean, right I, like I don't think there's an optimi- I don't think there's a program in the West that doesn't think oh yeah we we've got a chance oh no I think everyone that's that's one of the things about I think the danger of predicting Alabama to just roll through 
the college football season this year. Like you said, I mean, usually Nick Saban doesn't finish undefeated no. in yeah. conference play. No, no, I mean, not like, oh, uh, let's poke fun because he's only had a couple of perfect seasons. But, but, no, I but mean, when, no, they just don't come along that often. But when the expectation is that right. you're going to win every, or you're going to be favored well, when, in every single one of them, uh, I mean, I, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's I, I can see why people would look at this team and say, oh, that that's, you know, the, the most dangerous team he's ever had, the team that can do, but it's a it's a dangerous conference that they're in, mm-hmm. full of games that, you know, that that would that would make a team's, uh, you know, that would make a significant impact on a coach's tenure. Of or, course, of course, the the you know the the maybe the best team that they've had played nothing but conference games. It's true. I mean, that's that's the thing. Yeah. The tougher the schedule, that was a tougher schedule, and they and they rolled through that one. Who do they? Uh, I, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. Who's who's the big Alabama at a conference? They've got they've got Texas. Yeah. Is it is it week? That's not week one though, right? No, that's week two. That's week two because the. Uh, Oregon, Oregon, Georgia mm-hmm. is is week one. Yeah, right. Texas, Texas, and Alabama go uh, go out in week two. We'll run down the uh, the list of representatives for each school and much more. Love for you to join in. We're just underway here on the Tuesday Drive. You're live on the Drive, <laughs> the Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Uh, Barrett Salee joins us in about 15 minutes. In the uh, meantime, yeah, let's uh, we'll run down some of the news of the day. I mean, um, the attendees for each school at the SEC Media Days, which get started next Monday, have been announced. A star-studded group, to be sure. I mean, led by, I mean, we'll go alphabetically. Alabama with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and maybe the as as good a defensive player as there, as there is in the nation leading the way Bryce Young and Will Anderson a pair of juniors along with senior defensive back Jordan Battle are Alabama's representatives I'm trying to think how often the, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner has made an appearance at SEC Media Days uh, T- Tim T- Tebow did Tebow did Tim it. Tebow did remember because uh, that was uh that was when uh uh Clay Asked him, asked him if he was uh, still a virgin. That's right. I, I, I was there. I was there for that. As a matter of fact, uh, that, might, that might be the the I'm lone. Trying to think if there's been Mark another. Ingram. Mark Ingram might have come back because Mark Ingram did play another year of college football after as the, as in 2010. Yeah, I guess. So I'm, I'm thinking, I guess he was there. I'm, I'm thinking Mark Ingram in I just 2010. Wanted to kind of buzz around him that. That there know, was around Tim Tebow, or yeah. there will be around Bryce Young. Sure. I mean that's. Uh, but but no, it's it's. I think it's pretty rare. For the oh, reigning yes. for the reigning Heisman Trophy winner mm-hmm. to, to to be at SEC Media Days, not not a surprise. Let's after, see, you know, considering he was an option. Seven quarterbacks representing the uh, of the fourteen SEC schools. Uh, every team but one has at least one senior there. LSU, the only team without a senior. Uh, for Arkansas, it'll be uh, junior quarterback KJ Jefferson, junior safety Jalen Catalan, and senior linebacker with the best name. Uh, in 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 football or whatever bumper pool. That's right. I mean uh, that uh, great name. We told you Auburn's reps with Tank Bigsby, uh, the the junior and the seniors Derek Hall and John Samuel Schinker. Florida with sophomore quarterback Anthony Richardson, uh, junior offensive lineman Richard Garage, 
and uh, senior linebacker Ventrell Miller. Georgia, the uh, reigning national champion, they're going to bring uh, two seniors, Stetson Bennett, among the quarterbacks coming to SEC mm-hmm. Media Days. Nolan Smith, the uh, senior linebacker, and Cedric Van Pran, the uh, sophomore offensive lineman, uh, the uh, third Georgia Bulldog, uh, making the uh, and you know and and just a because there are more there are more quarterbacks on this list, right? That's, I think, another indication of sort of the optimism of, you know, around the league, right? Is that you have a lot of programs who feel we've got a returning, mm-hmm. experienced quarterback. Uh, who's who's not someone who just and not not that there's anything wrong with finding a quarterback in the transfer portal. Although I mean, it's not like Anthony Richardson was was the guy all year for Florida. Well, they made, no, they made a coaching change. So yeah, I mean, that's true. keep keep in mind, like they were well, they well, were only uh, so know, good. I know. But but no, but I think even but even a place like Florida, right? That's you know got a first year coach and came off a disappointing season. They can still feel like we've got a a quarterback who's not showed, unusual to take if you know who your starting quarterback. It's mm-hmm. not unusual for him to be a representative at the SEC media. Days. And there, you know there's also there's there's NFL draft buzz around Richardson too. I mean the potentials there. I he still is a think big, yeah. Yeah, I mean I, I still think you know he's got consistency, you know, the, one of those words we throw out there a lot, but uh Well, he but, and KJ Jefferson. Yeah, are, I mean similar. They, they've got they got everything they got everything you'd want as mm-hmm. far as uh the the, the feet big, the feet and the physical, arm, yeah. Athletic yeah. And strong and, arms. yeah, real 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 uh, real solid. All right, uh, Kentucky with a trio of seniors and that's another reason for optimism when you've got a very good senior class, Will Levis, uh the quarterback, offensive guard Kenneth Horsey and uh, linebacker DeAndre Square will be representing the Wildcats. And I think there's, you know, there's similarities with Levis and the two quarterbacks we were just talking about, Richardson mm-hmm. and uh, and and KJ Jefferson and that they're they're all, I mean, Levis maybe has the biggest arm of the bunch. Uh, I mean, that that guy is is a, a really impressive. There, there was the CBS draft uh, report earlier this year that right. had him as the first, first overall pick in, yep. uh, in in next year's draft, which, you know, is a surprise to some folks who think uh, CJ Stroud at Ohio State and and Bryce Young maybe have a, a higher ceiling, but there's folks who really like uh, Will Levison. It's a matter of can, can he can he put it all together and cut down on the throws that make you say, oh, that's that's not an NFL quarterback. That's a guy who you know is is, is still figuring things out. But uh, when he's when he's good, uh, he's as good as anyone in college football. Um, LSU, as I mentioned, the the only school without a senior coming, and again uh, with. With the coaching change of Brian Kelly there and a lot of players leaving um, LSU with a sophomore and two juniors. That's right. Jack Beck, the uh, sophomore, along with uh, Mike Jones and B.J. O'Jolari. Uh, Ole Miss is taking uh, Nick Broker, the senior offensive lineman, Cedric Johnson, a, uh, a junior defensive end, and Jonathan Mingo. Jonathan a, Mingo, uh, has he been there about six years? Talent, it seems like. Talented receiver who uh, is, uh, you know, fig- figures. It seems like every year we're saying, well, Ole Miss lost a lot at receiver. Uh, they're they're going to have they, to. They always have something uh, coming back. They, yeah, like. he's... he's um, yeah, he's he's figured out at least how to how, how to make his school a destination in the portal, right? It does seem like when for, for yeah, sen- I'm, sen- I'm I'm still I'm I'm a little Missouri on Ole Miss for sure. I mean, I'm I, I think there there are way too many people that are like that was ten last year and they ought to win at least ten this year. We'll see. They they lost we'll a lot the from last. All come together. They had a lot of players that have been around for a while. Lost lost a lot of veterans from last yes, year's they team. Did. They they brought in some highly touted talented mm-hmm. players, but there no. I, I think there's reason to be. I mean, look, with everybody in the SEC West, almost everybody in the SEC West, there's reason to be suspicious of a couple oh, uh, sure. elements of the team. Uh, Mississippi State announcing three graduate seniors uh, in defensive tackle uh, Jaden Crumity, uh, linebacker Nathaniel Watson, and receiver Austin Williams. Missouri's going to bring uh, receiver uh, Barnett Bannister, uh, or Barrett Bannister, uh, defensive back uh, Martez Manuel, 
and Isaiah McGuire, a defensive lineman, all three of them uh, seniors for Missouri. Yeah, you're, you're, you're really seeing a run of seniors there. Bannister, a graduate senior, South Carolina with three more seniors. And uh, defensive lineman Zach Pickens, offensive lineman Jovan Gwynn, and receiver on Joyner. One of the uh, best uh, offenses in Tennessee football history last year. They're going to bring the quarterback uh, of that uh, of that offense. And Josh Heupel, another guy who you know feels like he's you know right riding a wave of momentum into uh, well, in I the mean, year they two. Did so much better than anybody yeah. thought last year with after so many defections, and they again have some serious experience. Showing up at media day, set a uh, set a record single season points scored record for a Tennessee football team uh, last year. That Tennessee team, uh, Hendon Hooker, the uh, quarterback, the graduate senior, and Cedric Tillman, uh, the uh, talented wide receiver. Uh, they're going to represent the offense. Uh, Trayvon Flowers uh, will be the uh, senior defensive back uh, from the uh, Tennessee defense. We finally see another junior as Texas A and M has a pair of seniors and a junior uh, defensive back, Damani Richardson and uh, Anaya Smith. The uh, all-purpose uh, slash receiver are seniors, while Layden Robinson, the offensive lineman, is a junior. Anaya Smith, uh, 47 catches uh, last year, six touchdowns. And a great return man. Uh, and, and a guy Very who scary return man. I, I could see taking a step forward just, mm-hmm. just to, you know, in, in his role in the offense on top of, you know, I mean, not to diminish what he does in the return game, but, I mean, Texas A&M could get him a lot of touches uh, this uh, this upcoming season. He had four uh, he had four catches for 44 yards uh, against uh, against the Auburn Tigers uh, last year. And uh, Vandy with a pair of seniors and a junior. The seventh quarterback is junior uh, Mike Wright. And then the other two Commodores will be tight end um, Ben Bresnahan, who's a graduate senior, and a senior linebacker Anthony Orgy. That's right, and that leaves, uh, is that it? Is there, is yeah. There, do we, do we covered Vanderbilt? Okay, yeah, that, that's, that's everybody. Mike Wright, the, uh, the last quarterback, uh, coming for the, uh, for, for the SEC. But yeah, a lot, a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of experience, and, uh, and yeah, it should be a, uh, should be a good time as, as we're saying, optimism abounds, uh, around the, uh, around the SEC, mm-hmm. uh, right now. Even, even at a place, I mean, even considering Auburn ended last year on a, Disappointing losing streak, and then had uh, the uh, the turmoil earlier in this calendar year. It does seem like over the last few months, whether it's players signing on via the transfer portal or or Brian Harson, you know, figuring uh, Brian Harson and the team sort of figuring out who wants to be here and who was better off going uh, elsewhere. Uh, you know, e- even at Auburn, it does seem like there's optimism going into uh, Brian Harson's second year, hoping for improvement. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Barrett Salee joins us on the other side, so stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive.
Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. And it's uh, Tuesday 4.33 Central, a little hour later over, I guess, where, where our good friend and, and next guest, Barrett Selly from uh, CBSSports.com and SiriusXM. I'm, I'm wondering if he's uh, outside the park getting ready for uh, game two of the uh, the Braves and Mets or just waiting for tomorrow's matinee. Barrett, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good. I am waiting for tomorrow's matinee. I, uh, my, the guy I split season tickets with is going today, uh, so I am relegated to the day game. But uh, I don't mind that because I'm off on Wednesdays and the kids are out of school. So oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah, that that should be great. And and uh, and 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 yes, this despite I mean, uh, obviously it's it's uh, never exciting when when you lose a game. I mean, despite the loss yesterday, what a run the Braves have been on to cut the cut that ten and a half game lead down to two and a half now as we approach the All Star break. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and you know I think last night was was frustrating, but you, you lose to Max. Scherzer. That is I Max. Mean, that's on. right. You can't be. You know it happens. <laughs> it happens. So uh, yeah, I mean I, I think right now uh, still happy with where they are. Uh, I think right now they uh, are in a good spot. You know I think the offense is clicking, and uh, you know they'll be all right. And hey, there's always the extra wild card spot too. So. Well, it's there, all good. Got plenty of uh, plenty of ways to to get to the playoffs. Th- there have been a couple of pleasant surprises uh, from the Braves uh, pitching staff. Kyle Wright making good on his potential earlier in the season, and and the guy who's going tonight, Spencer Strider, man, Clemson Tiger. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you like that, Steve? He's a Clemson Tiger. Uh, you know, I mean, Spencer uh, Spencer Strider is. Uh, I mean, he he has been sensational uh, for for the Atlanta Braves so far this year. He, he really has, um, you know, rookie of the year between him and uh, Michael Harris at this point. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if either one of those guys won uh, rookie of the year. So, yeah, um, I think right now uh, Spencer, with with the way he he's got that strikeout work, uh, strikeout pitch work. I mean, you get he, he can go north of a hundred for like seventy five pitches. That mm-hmm. that just does not seem fair. Um, but yet here he is, just you know, striking people out at will. So he's been awesome. And he's obviously the um, the Clemson fans are are uh, are proud of him, and we're glad to have him up here. I just uh, I hope we get some run support from him. I think uh, or for him, I think uh, I think we'll be all right today. But we we definitely have to get more than one or two runs against the Mets. They can they can uh, they can put up runs in a hurry. They can, but I mean it's it's Peterson who is 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 good. But uh, I I really I really like the Braves this evening. We, we may get back to that a little bit because the All Star break historically coincides with uh, something else, and that is SEC Media mm-hmm. Days, which you just got there in the backyard this coming week. Today we found out the uh, the representatives for all the schools. Um, you know, one of the things that around this time of year we talk about is guys that get left out for the All-Star game. Was there anybody that uh, that you were maybe hoping to see representing an SEC school that's, uh, that's not going to be making the trip to Atlanta next week? Uh, not really. Uh, I, I think that maybe an Ole Miss quarterback, one of the two, um, would have been interesting. Um, but, you know, really beyond that, I, I think 
it was kind of what I expected. I mean, a lot of these coaches, if not all of them, want to have, uh, you know, seniors or, or redshirt juniors or graduate seniors r- represent their schools. So there wasn't really anything that I, that jumped off the page at me. I mean, I'd love to see some of these guys that are in quarterback battles like at Auburn and Texas A&M and, um, and, and LSU. And we've seen that in the past. I mm-hmm. mean, there have been times where teams have brought two quarterbacks. So, um, you know, uh, I think that was one thing that's disappointing, especially considering I'd like to hear from those guys. A lot of times, you know, you get very limited access in the fall for for any of those guys because they are focused on on winning jobs. So that's the one disappointment to me. It's a, it's a big ask. I get that, and a lot of coaches would sit would laugh if I asked <laughs> if that was even a possibility. But still, I I, I would I would love to see something like that happen. Yeah, the the problem is it then takes away from the opportunity for guys like in Auburn's case, you know, a, a Derek Hall and uh, and and Tank Bigsby and John Samuel Schenker to, from being there. It does, and you know, I, I, from you know, for, from Auburn's perspective, I mean, Tank has to be there. Uh, Derek Hall has to be there. I mean, he's he's become you know the face of the Auburn defense and a guy that I mean, is the, the body the body of Auburn. I mean, he's the guy. If you watched any basketball games, he was the shirtless guy over there on on the front row. I was going to say body is uh, <laughs> definitely a way to describe him. Oh yeah, <laughs> because that dude is jacked. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think yeah, it. Uh, I understand that you try to get a, a variety of different um, uh, different output uh, outlooks, and and having John Samuel Shanker, who you know you guys know, and I've seen him too, is a very well spoken, good representative. That makes sense to me. Um, you know, maybe having a linebacker would be okay too. Uh, but um, you know, I, I think by and large, you're getting guys who a are stars or b good representatives, and and that's uh, that's what I like. Um, I want it. I want somebody who can actually engage with us, and I think you're going to get that from a lot of guys. One thing that that we can tell you, I mean, we had uh, John Samuel on the entire fall as a regular guest here on the drive, and uh, I, I think he's going to get questions and will give some interesting answers about the guys that are competing at quarterback. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, he, he seems to be, you know, he, what, he defended Bo last year a couple times, and it seems like he's, he's honest. And, and I think that is, that's all we ask, right? Like, I, it's, it's easy for people, whether it be players or coaches, to go up there and, you know, to, you know, give the usual coach speak. But we don't want that. And, and having a guy like John Samuel Singer, he will be honest. He's not going to throw anybody under the bus, but he's not going to, you know, praise somebody. Um, you know, that, that doesn't deserve it. I, that's, that's really all we're asking for. Yeah, I mean, Barrett, I was asked earlier this week sort of what, what am I excited for, what am I looking out for at Media Days. And, you know, I guess I, along with everyone else, you know, is, you know I'm, I, I am going to have my antenna up for any sort of revival of the, the Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher <laughs> feud. But, but at the same time, I mean, outside of, of that sort of obvious one, how Brian Harson, uh, you know, how he handles questions about uh, you know what what happened earlier in this year, and, and and how many questions he faces about sort of the the odd situation uh, that took place during the off season earlier earlier this year. I you know that's I mean it, it's the you know it, it it's the most prominent platform Brian Harson has found himself on uh, since uh, you know since since February. So that, you know that's that's something that I I mean how how do you expect that to play out, Barrett? Oh, it's going to get asked in every room, big yep. room, small rooms, radio row, all that stuff. That's that's going to be the first question that gets asked of Brian Harson. And honestly, 
it should be. Um, you know, you guys are closer to the situation than the national folks, but uh, and so the national folks really haven't had a chance to talk to them about it, save for you know the the end of that crazy week. There were a couple uh, articles where you know people tracked him down one on one over the phone. So yeah, I mean it's going to be the number one question, and I think you know it's how he responds to it, not necessarily to us, but you know we want to find out how he responded to it and what the the feedback has been and if he's changed and, and if so, how, um, you know, and then, you know, obviously on top of that, the pressure that comes along with what happened last year. So, you know, that, that all is going to be part of it. The transfers, everything. Um, but beyond that, you know, I think asking about Tank Bigby is interesting because remember part of this whole thing, at least part of the stuff that led off was Tank Bigby perhaps transferring back in mm-hmm. December. Oh, yeah. You know, he's going to have to answer that. Harson's got to I don't know if Harson's ever really answered a lot of that um, because a lot's happened since then. Um, so, you know, those questions, I think, are going to be pretty prevalent. Well, well some, something that I think Brian Harson has done a couple of times in interviews since February is sort of is sort of um, he groups all of the accusations together and and sort of talks about how much and and including including uh you know rumor rumors about his family that he's referenced uh, in interviews as you know things that really bothered him uh you know and after after the season ended and i'm i'm sort of interested in with without i i'm not interested in the salacious parts but in in the criticisms that came from within the football program like how much of that was you know, was rooted in some truth and has resulted in Brian Harson changing his approach. And how much of that, you know, was he able to sort of dismiss as, uh, as, as, uh, as you know, as, as not, not really with merit as a, as, as a criticism of what he does? Like that's because we haven't really seen that sort of distinction. You know what I mean, Barrett? Yeah, there's, there's no doubt that we haven't seen it, and, and I think that that's sort of the, the, the nuts and bolts of really the, the overarching question is. Has Brian Harson done enough to get in, to, to meet everybody in the middle, right? Because clearly the personality thing was a problem. Um, how much of a problem, you know, it was, and how much was it the six and seven record? Um, right, you know, right. That, that remains to be seen. But um, you know, ha, he if, if he's going to prevent something like that from happening again, he has to make certain concessions, especially at a place like Auburn um, with so many hands in the cookie jar. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what, you know, one of the questions that I want to ask him when, when he sits down with us in our room is, you know, how have you changed? What pressure did you feel to change? And if you haven't, how do you think that's been met with the people who weren't happy with you, um, you know, back in, in January and February? So it's, uh, it, he's going to have to answer some, I wouldn't say tough questions because I know he expects them and he's answered a lot they're, of them. They're not the questions. usual year but, two at Media Days questions that a coach faces, right? No. I mean, they're, they're, they're not going to be no, the same questions. They're not the same questions Eli Drinkwitz faces in year two at SEC Media no, Days next no, you're week. you're right. Well, and, and look, I mean, I, here's the thing. For, we, have a, we have a CBS Sports HQ room, so we get everybody for 10 minutes, including Brian Harson, And our, you know, our audience wants to know those things. Right, like that—that was the biggest storyline for Auburn in the offseason. They want to know those things. Sure, they want to know about the quarterback situation and and Tank Bigsby too. But the the biggest storyline from a national perspective for Auburn is Brian Harson's status, and I think that's true basically of everybody that's not in, you know, on the Auburn beat itself or in the state of Alabama. 
on well, a, as a reporter or media member in oh, Alabama. No, I, I understand and I agree with you, Barrett. And and I I will be surprised if you don't get a uh, pretty good answer. Yeah, if, if Brian, Brian Harson. If Brian Harson isn't prepared for that, then like yeah. multiple people have failed. Like it's uh, no, you know what I mean. Like well, I, I, I expect he's 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 understanding that he's going to get questions about the tumultuous off season he's he had. Handles, I, and, and I he's will, and he's I handled. Say, it, he's yeah. handled questions pretty well. Now uh, it'll be interesting to see in in that you know in that big room how he does. Yeah, I mean the big room. The, the thing about the big room is that so many people in our industry know that ESPN has a camera on you when you ask questions. Yeah, and. They will, they will phrase things in ways to make themselves the story. Mm, and that's true. I mean, Bill, you know, this is before CBS Sports HQ had a room to ourselves. You know, I've been going to media days forever, and you and I have, have made a habit to go to the radio room. I mean, yep. this is long ago when there was a separate radio room because, A, you didn't get squat in the don't, bear, bear, No, bear, you bear, get bear, a chance bear, to ask bear, bear, It's tradecraft. It's tradecraft. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't Dan, stop, stop right sorry, there, man. Sorry, Dan was sorry, just, sorry, Dan sorry, was just sorry, telling sorry. Our, our, our youngster, give, Everybody giving him to, some, some of those you, exact tips. If you've never been to the media days before, hang out in the big room. Oh, yeah. hang, hang out exclusively <laughs> in the big room. And, uh, and, and, you know, and let's, <laughs> Only the big room. No, nowhere else. <laughs> that's really, oh, no, that, that's really but, cool. Uh, Barrett, that's really cool that the CBS HQ deal, you know, has, uh, has 10 minutes exclusive with, with each, with each coach. That's, uh, no kidding. I imagine, you know, this year there's a, there's a, there's a few, uh, anybody you're real excited to talk to of the, uh, of, of, you know, besides, let's, let's excuse the Jimbo Nick Saban thing for a second. Is, is there anybody else in the conference that you're excited to see uh, in, in that 10 minute window? I'm, Stu, I, I think the obvious answer people are going to want to hear is Lane Kiffin, but Lane is so boring. Like, Brian he, he Kelly, I would think. boring with all of us now. Yeah, Brian is one. I, Eli Drinkwitz, just because. Oh, Eli's fun. Because he's awesome. Yep. Yeah, I mean those two, like the everybody, like, all these coaches are going to give you normal coach speak stuff, right? So I want to have people that are fun. <laughs> and so um, Brian will be interesting. Eli and Shane are awesome. Um, I'm, I'm interested to Billy how Billy Napier handles it because Billy's a pretty laid back dude, and he's from what I understand, I've only talked to him once in person a couple times over the phone, but he's he, he's engaging. I wonder how engaging he will be. Uh, or if he'll be kind of uptight or just kind of reserved. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he handles it because I think he go a bunch of different directions. Yeah, and I, and I also wonder because just from folks that I know down there feel like he think things aren't going exactly the way he had expected them too early on. You know, it's almost made me feel a little bit better about Auburn's situation, seeing that, like, oh, okay, maybe it doesn't... It, it's not a given that the first couple of months are going to go smoothly just because you're a new coach at a Power 5 program. There's one, yeah. Th- there, are, there are some, I mean... Early critics, you know, pretty pretty vocally out there uh, about Billy Napier. I guess his approach to recruiting and, and the fact that they've cut some players off the team. Yeah, and maybe their collective isn't operating the way that others are, specifically Miami's. But I mean, <laughs> if he got hired, he got hired a few months ago. He got hired a few months ago, and he got hired a few months ago specifically for recruiting, mm-hmm. right? Like. That was why he got the Louisiana job, and he became a great coach, you know, three straight 10-win season. That's why Florida hired him, because they didn't recruit well. So, I mean, 
it's a little too early to start jumping to conclusions, especially considering there's a lot of time left until the signing day. And how much can change with a hot start to a season or a little bit of, you know, a first-year coach overachieves and suddenly we were just talking about uh, a guy that, you know what, probably needs to be, you know, on these lists a little bit more, Josh Heupel, right? Somebody who I'm, I'm excited to hear from this year. I mean, that was one of the best offenses in school history, and that totally came out of nowhere. Oh, the expectations think- were... And that, way, way low, and and that can and that can easily change change a narrative from year one to year two. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So, um, you know, hot takes can be flying, but as Coach Spurrier used to say, it's talking season. Barrett, great stuff as always. Enjoy the uh, the game tomorrow, and uh, you know, hopefully the Braves are are going to uh, you know going to to for the win for the series win. Uh, tomorrow, come, come by. Uh, come by our table uh, n- next week, uh, Barrett. If, if if you get the chance uh, on on Radio Row to do the do the hit, I will. Y'all, you guys are in a better place this year as opposed to twenty eighteen. God, that was not uh, good. That was not that, good. No, that means I have to walk all the way across <laughs> the, the hallway. Oh well, maybe maybe you know maybe you can uh, summon summon up the energy to uh, to do that. We'd appreciate. I'm There's not going. No I'm not going to be able to make it. I've, I've I've got I've got to see the doctor. Next week, I got a, uh, oh, got, got, a, got a, I got a knee, I got a knee. Bill's that, not, uh, Bill's not cleared. No, that's right. I'm on, I'm on the IL. I'm not restricted. Well, I'm just what, on the IL. So, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're probably going to get more uh, watching TV anyway. Uh, yeah, the, I, I may. Um, all right, Barrett, Barrett. Uh, before we, uh, before we let you go, let everybody know what you've got coming up. Uh, like, like we don't have an idea, but uh, how they can follow you as well. Yeah, Media Days preview on Friday. we got a live blog set up for uh, the Big 12 Media Days uh, tomorrow. So that'll be a lot of fun, a lot of intrigue there. And then uh, we'll follow along on all the social media sites at Barrett Salee. Sounds good, man. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks for having me. Barrett Salee joining us, as he does on Tuesdays. You know, uh, yeah, look, look, that is, the to me, one of the best things of Media Days, just getting to see the folks that you don't get to see on a regular basis who cover uh, either regionally or nationally. Yeah, and you're in, you're in the press box during the season, so you get to see the guys a little bit more often, you know, yeah. during during their travels. But, I mean, it's pretty, been a while. Yeah, but I it's know. still been a while. Yeah, absolutely. It's still, it's still been a while since we've seen uh, some of these folks. We'll get to our final break of hour number one. Come on in and join us here on the Tuesday Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final minute or so of hour number one of the Tuesday Drive. Yeah, while we were talking with Barrett, Major League Baseball announcing some replacements for uh, for All Stars and Auburn's Garrett Cooper has been named to the All Star team. He will be replacing Bryce Harper, who is obviously out injured. Uh, so congratulations to uh, to Garrett Cooper. Yeah, Garrett's an been, Auburn representative of the All Star game. Garrett's been hitting the ball uh, really oh, man, well. He really, is. and um, he has got to be one of the. If the Marlins get into a selling mood, yep. he will be a very popular. Target. That would be the ex. I mean, I think the assumption is that if if uh, Miami decides to sell uh, mm-hmm. relative to to the other teams in the uh, you know they're they're out of it in, in the National League East, uh, Garrett would be somebody that a contender w- would would like to add to a to, to make a a championship push, maybe even in the division, 
right? Maybe, maybe there could be sure. a... Uh, Anybody looking for a right-handed bat? I mean, he's he's been uh, at or around, uh, at or above 300 all year long. First, first all-star selection for, uh, for, for Garrett Cooper, yep. but a, a well-deserved one. Congratulations to the uh, to the Auburn product. All right, we'll get to our top of the hour break. Jake Crane joins us early. I mean, when we come back, we'll be joined by Jake. So stick with us. Hour number two coming up here on the Tuesday Drive. Sports Leader, ESPN 1067, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Tuesday Drive. Bill and Dan Drew at the controls and hour number two of the drive brought to you by the good folks at the orthopedic clinic. And yes, I have an appointment with them a little over a week from now. I will not be making the trip to Atlanta. Uh, Dan will be. Jacob will be. So we'll have live broadcasts from the SEC media days. But hour number two of the drive Brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And I have full confidence that, uh, that Trent Wilson and company will, uh, will, will have me, um, walking better than, than I'm able to right now before too long. So, uh, welcome into hour number two of the drive. We will go to the Kia of Auburn hotline, Kia of Auburn where you're always number one. And when we don't have guests, we welcome your calls on that. And we'll we'll pass along that number here momentarily because there's no reason to do so while we have a guest on the line. And joining us early today, a little earlier than usual, but we're pleased to be joined by our good friend Jake Crane from Crane & Company. Jake, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great, guys. Yeah, I had to come on a little early. Got the uh, painters coming in the new house, so having to do that whole dance. But, uh, Bill, how was the beach, man? Uh, the beach was fabulous. Uh, and, and, uh, we, yeah, we didn't get any rain at all while we were down there. Didn't until we came back. So, yeah, I've got a, got a nice tan going. So, uh, so yeah, we, okay. always, always great to, uh, be able to recharge a little bit, take a few days off. Yeah, you're into the, the fun stuff now, uh, home ownership, and there's always here. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that that I know. I'm sure your mom has, has said this to you as well. But uh, you know, 
there's always something that you're going to be doing. You're you're never done yeah. with home ownership. There's there's always something that either needs yeah. fixing, upgrading, well then, or no, things like once that. you're once you're done, from what I understand, I'll I'll concede I'm I'm not a homeowner. But once you're done, isn't that when you sell and start on the new house? Isn't that the understanding? Is it once you're well, once well, you're yeah, all the you way finally done? Get, yeah, if you finally think you've about gotten it done, <laughs> once that's you're right. all the way done, then it's then it's time to start well, with the. Uh, well, I'll tell you this. My father, Kurt Crane, we moved 11 times within the city of Auburn. And he used to say when he knew where the silverware was, it was time to move. Which after doing this move, I can confirmly say, or I can confirm that while I love my father, he was a psychopath. <laughs> well, Jay, Jay, hope hope the move's going great. We've been talking a lot, as, as I can imagine you understand, we've been talking a lot about uh, SEC Media Days coming up next week. I had the uh, list of players uh, revealed earlier today. Anybody that you're uh, you're, you're intrigued uh, with the possibility of hearing from, anybody that you think has a has a, an interesting story to tell going into the 2022 season of the uh, of the players that'll be uh, representing their schools in Atlanta next week. You know, I'm loving to see the offensive linemen. You know, finally yep. the guys up front get some love. Yeah, nobody uh, gets to talk it, to them usually. I know. Well, typically you don't hear about them unless something bad happens. So uh, I love that. You know, we were at SEC Media Days last year. We're going to be there again this year. Got to talk to Austin Deculus, the, the tackle from LSU. And, you know, the game is won and lost up front. So it's always good to be able to get the guys on and, and talk to them because that's purely hand-to-hand combat. And it's a little bit of a different world in the trenches, especially in the SEC. That, that's a, that's a great point, Jake, because it reminds me of when the Oscars went from uh, more than five. You know, they, they used to just nominate the five movies for Best Picture, and things were getting left out. When you only brought two players to media days, uh, your offensive player generally wasn't an offensive lineman. You brought a skill position player, a receiver, running back, quarterback. And now that you have a third player you can bring, uh, yeah, we're seeing more teams, uh, you know, use, use that spot to acknowledge uh, the importance of offensive linemen. I'm, I'm right there with you, Jake. I think it's great uh, that the expansion has allowed, for, uh, has allowed uh, more, uh, more inclusion of the offensive line uh, in, this, uh, in this big spotlight. No, without a doubt, you know, and, and it's something, too, where, you know, typically your guys up front are, are especially the center position on the offensive line. You know, you look at the best defensive linemen you have. Those guys are big leaders on the team. Everybody knows what that job entails. It's, it's the coal miner of football. And we were uh, we were talking in the in the previous hour uh, and, and it's. I mean, we, we have one perspective as folks who talk about Auburn sports on a daily basis and talk to, to an audience that, that is largely uh, Auburn fans. But, but for a lot of folks who are only sort of casually following, uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the end of the season swoon last year for Auburn and, and then the, uh, you know, the, the peculiar, uh, tumultuous, a uh, few months that Brian Harson had at the beginning of 2022. You know, I, I imagine Brian Harson is somebody that a lot of people are interested in hearing from because th- this is uh, the biggest platform he's he's had uh, mm-hmm. since since all that happened, and, and the first time he's going to take questions uh, from from a lot of different folks and, and sort of explain in his own words uh, what uh, what he went through and 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 why he's still the coach at Auburn. Yeah, I mean, the guy, I mean, he's been through the ringer, man. I mean, he, again, and, and I'll say that is, and, and any Auburn fan knows this, that, that truly wants to look at it from a non biased situation. You know, Brian Harson inherited an interesting situation, and then, you know, the year kind of curtailed at the end. Then you had, you know, Booster Gate 2021, whatever it was. 
So, you know, I think he may be kind of revitalized a little bit, but make no mistake, there's a ton of pressure this year because the same people that were at Toomer's Corner screaming, save Brian Harson will be the same ones going up to the field house with pitchforks and torches if Auburn goes 5-7. and seven. So it's, uh, it's an interesting situation he's found himself in. Yeah, I, th- I think it's the... Um... And and for folks who are, are still sort of puzzled by like what what exactly went down or, or how much of it was rooted in truth, you know that that's that's something else for for Brian Harson to sort of explain like what's changed about his approach and how much of that criticism was was he able to uh, to 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 use to sort of improve versus stuff that he was able to sort of dismiss out of hand because clearly there's some there's some criticism just from listening to Brian Harson's answers you know in the last few months there's also some things that came up that he's rejected right and some things that he thought weren't uh, you know w- wasn't really valid criticism or or rooted in any sort of reality versus things that but, it does seem like maybe he's he's used to change his approach yeah, well, he don't need to worry about that. Like, like that, he can't control that. That has nothing to do with anything. He's got to get that football team ready, and they've got to go out there and win. Like, you don't hear, you know, the coaches that are worth their salt talking about criticism. The minute you start worrying about your critics is the minute you start believing them. That, that's not the mission. The mission is those guys in that locker room, in that weight room, uh, during summer workouts, on that practice field. It's enough of a job to get a football team ready they're going to talk good about you. They're going to talk bad about you. But the minute you start worrying about it is the minute you're losing focusing on your team. So if he's worried about all that, then Auburn's going to be in trouble. But what, what's what's curious, I think, about the last few months that Brian Harson faced was that more than more than uh, than usual, I think, for an SEC coach, it seemed like the criticism was coming from players that had just left the team and entered the portal, or even players that were on the team and considering going into the portal, right? This isn't sort of criticism from yeah. outsiders or fans or, uh, you know, folks that talk into microphones. The criticism that Brian Harson faced and sort of had to digest and then use to change his approach, the stuff he's going to be asked about uh, next week, it, it was criticism coming yeah. from his locker room, right? You know, yeah, but again, I mean, he had to trim the fat. I mean, you know, guys that typically are leaving the program, most of the time it's not a, a good situation. You know, to me, when I, when I look at it and look at how he's operated, he's trying to build the culture the way that he wants it because if you don't do that, you'll never have a chance. And they can say what they say, but he had just as many players come out, you know, behind him saying, we want to do this the right way. And if you want to come to Auburn and you don't want to work hard or if you're, you're a prima donna, then this isn't the place for you. I think that was half Auburn's problem under Gus Malzahn. He was trying to be everybody's friend instead of being everybody's coach, and you can't be both. They can know you love them without over-loving them. And I think that's something that Brian Harson came in as more of an enforcer than what Gus Malzahn was as a guy that was trying to push guys even further than he took them because I'm not trying to be your best friend. I'm trying to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah, maybe Brian Harson's not the only one who needed to change you know, the, a little bit about what, what they were doing. Yeah, and, and – uh... Yeah, well, yeah, well – well, again, I mean, you got guys that are going to do it your way, and if you don't want to do it your way, then I'll then you can. But like we used to tell their parents, if you don't like the way we're doing it, then we'll put his stuff out in front of the complex. We'll take his scholarship, and you can come drive up here and get it because your mama's not going to tell you that that you're doing bad. Your mama's not going to tell you, oh, you know, you need to you need to do this, you need to do that. She's going to love you. There are some moms that are harder on other ones, but again, Brian Harson is in the business of putting Auburn in a position where when they line up against Georgia and Alabama and LSU and A&M 
they know exactly what it's take and they've paid the price. And you realize that the price goes up every single day. And I'll be honest with you, I think Auburn got a little soft under Gus Malzahn. And it's just the truth. And that he's in a great job at UCF. I know he's a good guy. I know he's, you know, was good, you know, for the community, even though he wasn't that social. But that soft stuff don't beat Georgia. That soft serve doesn't win you the SEC West. That soft serve blows a 21-3 lead against Florida State in the national championship because you're not smart enough to put the punt, uh, the safe punt return team out there and not risk giving a fake up. So to be honest with you, Brian Harson, this experiment may work. It may not, but I'd much have a, I'd much rather have a guy that's a disciplinarian that's going to get after you that it's my way or the highway, and I think that's what you got with Brian Harson. But he's got to do some stuff on the field, and the roster still ain't where it needs to be. Two new coaches in the SEC this year, and uh, interesting stories there, and in, in, in Brian Kelly and Billy Napier. Uh, either one of those guys uh, more intriguing to you, or but I'm I'm sure it's just uh, gonna gonna be really. Great just to have an opportunity to hear what both of them have to say. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the you know LSU is such a juggernaut on its own. I mean, it kind of recruits itself. But Brian Kelly taking the leap from Notre Dame to LSU, going from, you know, touchdown Jesus to the SEC, I'm kind of interested to see, you know, how he's kind of felt about it. And, and obviously they're recruiting pretty well right now. Uh, Billy's going to need some time. He just does. I think AR-15 is going to need uh, at least need another year. I don't think people realize how decimated the roster at Florida really is and really was when Billy got there. So I'm intrigued to see how they compete. Not how much they win, but how they compete. Because Billy's well-known in the coaching circle for being a guy that can get the most out of each and every single guy, similar to Mel Tucker and some of these other guys. So while both are intriguing, the Brian Kelly and LSU aspect's a little more intriguing to me because I think they'll be able to win quicker than Florida will be able to. Yeah, the, the SEC West, I, I keep coming back to how excited I am to see the, the division shake out this year because everyone's got... I mean, Alabama looks to be as good as they've been un, under Nick Saban on paper, but after that, everyone's got a case for, for why they deserve consideration as one of the two or three best teams in the division. Everyone's got weaknesses, and... Uh, by and large, I mean, even even when you factor in, you know, what happened with Brian Harson earlier in the year, there seems to be optimism at a lot of these programs as to where they're trending uh, for for the moment. And you know, somebody, and maybe more than one team, is going to get something of a reality check in twenty twenty two. Yeah, well, you you know, when you're all in the same conference, especially in the same division, you can't win every one of them. You know, Alabama, and, and y'all know me. I was raised on Wire Road, man. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm Auburn through and through, but again, I'm also a realist. I can't afford to be biased. Uh, Auburn's still, still at least a year or two years away, in my opinion. But if you look, talking about optimism, I mean, look at Arkansas, a team that's really turned it around. Now, I got Alabama going undefeated to win the national championship. I think this could be one of the best teams that they've had. While it doesn't, you know, warm my heart to say that, it's just the reality Oh, Miss, I'm interested to see what Jackson Dart, Mississippi State returns Will Rogers, who may be the most underrated quarterback in the country uh, outside of Jake Hayner from Fresno State. So I'm interested to see that. Will Rogers is not, un- he's not underrated in Auburn. People saw that game, no, the, no, the Mississippi no. State-Auburn game. Will Rogers yeah, is not underrated around here. Mark, on the fan. I was going to say, you Mark, know, mark my words, though. One of, one of those teams there is going to slip. This year, Arkansas State. I mean, Arkansas State or Ole Miss. Yep. 
I mean, one of those teams. I think it's Ole Miss. Be, I think because it's Ole Miss, everybody, Bill. everybody saw what they did last year and thinks, well, yeah. they're just going to be even better this year. But I mean, invariably, even even the best coaches, if they have that, you know, really impressive early on. Look at the talent. I mean, at Ole Miss, yeah, I agree with you, Jake. Look at the players that aren't there this year. Yeah. No, no, uh, Ole Miss is the one to me. I actually, uh, off the top of my head, we just did our SEC West predictions, and I got three teams going four and four. So I think it's going to be an absolute log jam in the West. I got Arkansas going nine and three, losing their three games in the conference. I got A&M starting out 0-3 in the conference, which everybody freaks out about. But go look at that schedule and mm-hmm. then come back and talk to me. But if you look at the East, you know, Tennessee, they return Hendon Hooker. Uh, second year in that system, which is really tough to defend. Defensively, I think they're gonna, they are gonna—they have more depth. They're going to be used to that system a little bit more. I'm really interested to see how Shane does at South Carolina in year two. Uh, I'm not as big on Spencer Radler as everybody else is. Uh, Kentucky with Mark Stoops who, speaking about underrated, I mean, what this guy's done at Kentucky, I will continue to scream from the top of any mountain you want that Mark Stoops is the best coach in Lexington, and it's not even close, in my opinion. Uh, So, yeah, there should be some optimism. But, again, when you play in the same conference, especially in the same division, that's what makes the SEC a war. It's every week outside of Vanderbilt who, in my opinion, should be put on the raft and floated down the river like they used to do old people uh, back in the day and, and, you know, 1500. Well, Jake, Jake sending Jake sending Vanderbilt to Valhalla there at the at the end of the at the at the end of the thing wasn't wasn't yeah, y'all ex- got to get out. Yeah, y'all got to get out, man. Wasn't expecting that over the old Commodore. It's tough tough break there for, uh, well, for like, Clark I don't, Clark I don't Lee. know if anybody's robbed. Yeah, I don't I'm telling know if Clark, I'm going to tell, tell Clark Lee you said that next week. I'm going to tell I'm going to tell him you better I'll tell, put, I'll, I'll tell Clark Lee to his face that. <laughs> What, what are they going to do? I've watched them play. Well, that, that's some excitement to look forward to in yeah. Atlanta. Fire, fireworks, fireworks in Atlanta next week. Look, looking forward to media days, Jake. Should be a uh, should be a great time. Yep, Jake. Uh, I know oh, you got to run. Uh, good luck with the good luck with the painters, and uh, hopefully that's not like fire trucks or or ambulances or anything there in the uh, in the neighborhood. It's for the hot I hope, takes. Somebody called nine one one. Those hope, takes. Hope everything's yeah, okay they, there they, with the neighborhood. Yeah, they're going to get Vanderbilt. All right, Jake, let let everybody know what you've got uh, coming up here as we head up toward media days and how they can find it. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, You know, we just had Kirby Smart on. Uh, We had Mike Farrell who said Arch Manning's a three-star. Nobody's talking about it, which is hilarious. So come check us out, man. We're live 2 to 3 Central every day on or every weekday on YouTube. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can go to thedailywire.com. We're talking a ton of college football, ranked our top 10 NFL quarterbacks today. So, if you're down for that type of stuff, come check us out. Sounds good, Jake, man. Appreciate it. Good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, guys. Thanks. Jake Crane joining us. Uh, yeah, a little earlier this week than usual as he's got some uh, some some business to get taken care of, but we appreciate him joining us. We will step aside, get to our first break of our number two. Love for you to join in. That Kia of Auburn hotline number will open it up, 334 321 1390. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. 
Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. And again, phone lines are open now. 334-321-1390. You can also text us. You can text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Our thanks to Kurt, uh, to Jake Crane for joining us. You mentioned his dad. Yeah, talk to you know our our, uh, our old our old buddy Kurt from back back in the day. But uh, yeah, Jake, Jake's doing. Yeah, the, uh, Jake joining us, getting some uh, getting some things done for his first house that he is that he is uh, buying. But uh, yeah, Jake joining us this hour. Barrett Salee joining us in hour number one. Hopefully, you had a chance to hear that as as we're getting mm-hmm. ready, counting down to SEC Media Days, where uh, on the line and the drive going to be broadcasting from there. I'll, I'll be anchoring from here. We got all all seven hours of the uh, of that the lucky right. seven because the right. max all at, all from one table. That's right, the max round table. Uh, as as a matter of fact, it's not going to be a round table. I don't believe. Well, no. theater of the it's mind. Usually not theater of the mind, Bill. The max rectangular table. Uh, that's right. The ma- <laughs> it's a round table, but it's got corners. <laughs> uh, so we're we're gonna have uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have the the max round table and on the line and the drive uh, doing seven hours of live on location radio uh, from the uh, from media. Days, uh, Bill's going to uh, dispatch in uh, from, uh, from from right here in the studio as well, and, and give his thoughts on the on the events. But now should have a lot of audio, should have some exciting interviews. You never know who's going to drop by, uh, and we'll be able to, uh, to to grab some folks from Radio Row. And, and uh, yeah, like Barrett was saying, it's not going to be like the last time in Atlanta what it was across the street. That was that was ridiculous. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. Was I, I was I was not at that. I was not at that media days. Uh, um, it, was, so. it was terrible. I mean, no, none of the coaches came over. I mean, none. I mean, and 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 people could complain all they want about uh, you know Birmingham, but the coaches have um, it, there are a couple of ways they can they can skirt Radio Row, but it's not not nearly as easy to do uh, in Birmingham. But but this is going to be better. Yeah, hopefully the opportunity to grab some coaches and players and media while the shows are uh, being broadcast from. Atlanta next week for SEC Media Days. In case you're just tuning in, Auburn's three representatives, not surprisingly, seniors Derek Hall and John Samuel Schenker and junior running back Tank Bigsby. Yeah, excited to hear from from all three of uh, of Auburn's representatives, the uh, the the, uh, the experienced uh, you know, all, all three of them guys who have played. Oh yes, I mean T- Tank's you know entering his third year, but he's been a huge part of the team in his first two seasons. Started since he's been here. Yeah, I mean took over the starting job very early in his career and has held on to it ever since. Derek Hull uh, was in the starting lineup as a true freshman mm-hmm. as well, including uh, starting the the Iron Bowl uh, as a true freshman, and and then uh, uh, John Samuel Schenker who. Didn't see the field a ton early in his Auburn career, but gradually became. Oh, he's played more and more, and now last year had the uh, the best the best year receiving for an Auburn tight end ever. Right, and, and has uh, has taken on a, a leadership role within the team as well. He mentioned that last year uh, when he was sort of conflicted about the decision to come back uh, and and whether or not he wanted to uh, to begin the next phase of of his life. You know how, how much he enjoyed being around his teammates and how much he enjoyed sort of the, the, the leadership role that, that he was in uh, last year. And so, uh, yeah, John, I think another, uh, uh, it'll, it'll be great to, to, to get an update on the off season from, uh, from guys like, you know, something, something that I appreciate with this team and, and I'll ask other players too, but especially with, with guys that, that we get to, you know, on a team that we talk about on a daily basis or we cover media days is a chance for, yeah, I mean, I imagine someone like John Samuel is going to be pretty, uh, pretty willing to 
uh, to to let you know which young receivers and quarterbacks and sure. tight ends have been impressing He's him on offense. He's working with them every day. Exactly. And defensively. You know, Derek Hall is, mm-hmm. is someone who will give you, you know, he, he gets a pretty good glimpse of the defensive line and the linebackers and, and how uh, the rest of the defense is going to fare. And so, you know, I, I remember last year, Owen Papo gave us some, uh, you know, gave us some tidbits about different defensive players to keep an eye on throughout the season. And, and I would expect uh, both John Samuel and Derek uh, to do that with, with, with their, uh, with their teammates. And then, of course, Tank. I mean, uh, Tank will get, uh, like, like Barrett was saying, I mean, Tank's going to be asked about um, deciding to come back. How close was he to thinking about leaving? Uh, and then, of course, I mean, he'll get the, the standard questions of, you know, what kind of numbers does he expect this year? The offensive line. I mean, that uh, you know he's going to be asked about the offensive line that he's running behind. Oh, certainly. I mean, I think that's that's one of the, I mean, Tank is going to be not not just questions about you know what what played into his decision to play a third year at Auburn and and stick with the cuz that's that's almost something you have to answer questions about now as a sophomore yeah. right like you're, you're a sophomore why are you still at the same place yeah i mean if if you're a why didn't you go somewhere else well yeah i mean you you went you went 6 and 6 last year and and you know a lot of players in your position may have decided uh, to to go uh, to play for a for a team uh, that, that more people were excited about going into the season i, I don't know it's crazy that it is. It's like why you know it, it's uh you know for and, and for for all the uh, why are you loyal? Well, I mean, for for all the talk about all the upheaval and the uh, disdain or the comments, you you were talking about some comments from former Auburn players. The the biggest recruiting done by Brian Harson has been, you know, getting guys like Derek Call and Leota and the offensive linemen and and Tank Bigsby and John Samuel Schenker to come back. Oh no, you re-recruit. Ed Orgeron was the first guy that I remember talking about, uh, you know, how, how important the transfer portal has made re-recruiting your roster mm-hmm. every single year. Because in college football, especially, well, it, better be, it better be like every month. Every month, you're <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, maybe when the portal window opens up, you can you can uh, what you know when they get to, to you know to transfer a transfer portal window, you can you can spend the weeks before the portal window opens up, you know, re-recruiting your your roster. But but Ed Orgeron, I mean, so we we. We talk about how when when you saw a team in the past that had a lot of freshmen and sophomores on the depth chart, you'd think, well, they might struggle this year, but watch watch a year from now, watch two years from now as the young players develop and get experience. Now you see a team with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores in the lineup and there's no telling that those freshmen and sophomores are going to stick with the with the their their current program they could all leave anyway because uh be, because the the portal is made uh, you know that you you can uh, if if you you make a decision everything's year to year you make you make a decision based on uh you know the the the, the things that are important to you at the end of the season but it's um now yeah, it's it's remarkable how uh, now it's it's very, you can you can assume very little about next year's team. You have to re-recruit your oh, it's roster. It's got to be this year. It's got to be, and it's amazing how quickly things can slip away once you know once the ball starts rolling in the wrong direction. We're halfway done with hour number two. Love for you to join in three three four three two one thirteen ninety as we continue here on the Tuesday Drive.
let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan got Drew at the controls. And again, love for you to join in. Anything you want to talk about, 334-321-1390. That's the uh, Kia of Auburn hotline. You know, something we haven't talked I mean, we have mentioned the Major League Baseball draft, which is coming up, and there should be some Auburn players there, selected. There will be some Auburn players the, selected. Hopefully not too many Auburn signees. You, you saw a headline on Major League Baseball's website and thought it was an Atlanta Braves story. And, I, oh, and yeah. I, had, I had to point out this one's that's not right. that's this one's not just well, a Braves I mean, story. I looked at MLB.com and there were there were a lot of stories pertaining to the Braves. Which I mean, why not? I mean, they've they've been one of the hottest teams in baseball over the last month. But uh, no, it was a story about uh, Andrew Jones' son. That's right. Drew, Drew Jones is a uh, a high school prospect in uh, in uh, at Wesleyan High School. In uh, I think it's suburban Atlanta, right? And he's a commitment to go to Vanderbilt, uh, but he's probably not going to play college baseball because he's expected to go uh, with one of the top three picks in the in the draft. Yeah. I, I think I mean, it, Vandy Vandy does a great job of getting uh, players that are high draft picks not to go to school, but I don't know that that's going to be the case with young Drew Jones. It's not universal uh, that, that 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 Drew Jones is the first overall pick on you know he's not the first player on every scout's board or anything like that. There is some debate. As to who the top prospect in the in, in this year's draft is, uh, but Drew Jones, the son of of uh, former Braves outfielder uh, Andrew Jones, is one of uh, those uh, those outfielders or one of those players that could be uh, the first overall pick. Wouldn't be surprised at all. I'd probably make him the favorite uh, to be the first overall pick uh, this uh, this upcoming weekend. You've also got, um, you know, I mean, I think that's that's sort of a somewhat local story because Andrew Jones had his Braves career, and this is an SEC uh, commitment. Uh, beyond that. You know, you don't really see a lot of SEC players or even projected SEC players. Uh, Dylan Lesko is another Vanderbilt commit. He's expected to go maybe in the, uh, in the, in the top 10, top 15 of this upcoming draft. Drew Gilbert is the, um, I mean, the outfielder from Tennessee. Uh, you know, w- wouldn't be surprised at all if, if he went really, really high, uh, in, in this draft. There are, there are some scouts that seem to think he could be, uh, one of the first 10 players, uh, off the board. Uh, LSU has a, uh, an outfielder as well, Jacob Berry, uh, who folks think could be, uh, one of the, uh, one of the first position players, uh, taken in this draft. So probably not going to have an Auburn player selected really early. No, uh, in yesterday the draft. we couldn't think of Ike Irish, the, uh, right. the catcher, the left-handed, uh, hitting catcher with power. Uh, the but so I mean pro- probably I mean, not he, he's he's going to be drafted yeah he's gonna, he's going to be drafted um, but probably not a he's he's probably not a first rounder right uh, there's a uh, there's a pitcher from Alabama uh, Connor uh, Connor Prelip uh, who is uh, expected to be maybe one of the the first he's he's a projected first rounder maybe one of the first college pitchers taken uh, in the draft so I mean not not surprising that there's SEC mm-hmm. representation Auburn oh, no, had, no Auburn kidding. had the great season they had and and you'll see Auburn players oh, drafted Burke Halter should be the first Auburn. Player taken. Yeah, it's a question of the first uh, first Auburn player taken. How many Auburn players mm-hmm. uh, get taken? Where do players like Sonny Deshera, uh, if um, if uh, I mean you, you've you've got Sonny, where's Mason Barnett going to end up? If if Mason gets taken, uh, uh, Carson Skipper. I mean, there's there's a couple Auburn players uh, beyond Blake. You know, as as to the question of wh- where they could end up, um, uh, Connor Jerpy. 
also, if you remember the Oregon State pitcher uh, who had the uh, the great right. season, uh, also expected to be one of the first college pitchers yeah, he taken. Was good. I, I would. Uh, he was good. You know, again, yeah, amateur scouts here. If I rooted for a major league baseball team and they took Connor Jerpy in the first round of the draft, I'd feel like they got someone who you're going to see mm-hmm. uh, on, on a major league baseball field pretty soon and, and probably pitching pretty well. Small sample size. I'll admit, didn't watch him except. Uh, in the, uh, the, the regional play and then super regionals against Auburn. Uh, but no, I think that's, uh, that, that's a pitcher with the future. Uh, and, and speaking of Auburn, and we mentioned this a little earlier, Garrett Cooper, um, the former Auburn, former, the uh, former Auburn first baseman, uh, named to the, National League All-Star squad replacing the injured Bryce Harper today. Yeah, really cool to see uh, Garrett get that uh, selection we were discussing earlier, the possibility uh, that uh, that Garrett could be um th- that Garrett could be traded to a contender and and, mm-hmm. and factor into a, a playoff race. I mean, that's... And he's always been able to hit. He's a career 286 hit. The the thing with Garrett has always been stay healthy. You look at his numbers, project his numbers to a full season, and it gives you around 20 homers and uh, nearly a 300 batting average. Right, and and looking at the uh, looking at the standings about midway through the uh, the major the, league the, baseball the Marlins season, aren't out of the postseason picture. They're not out of the postseason picture. They're 12 back of the division lead, right. and uh, in in fourth place. Uh, I mean, they're they're still. I mean, they're they're not going to be in last place because the Nationals are already twenty eight games under five hundred. Uh, but the uh, the Marlins are. I mean, they're contending. I think it's a question of uh, if if it's a like I would hope that the Marlins wouldn't trade away long term pieces and think that they're a really long way away. And so you start moving like your your young right now now under Garrett, team control. Garrett has been around for a little while. I mean, he's thirty one. I think it's, yeah, it's different than talking about trading Jazz right. Chisholm away or trading mm-hmm. away some of those those rotation arms that people think could be part of but a, they're, a really they're only, good nucleus. The, the Marlins are only uh, four games back in the wild card race right now. Right in, in a in a crowded uh, in a in a crowded wild card race with mm-hmm. with a lot of national league teams that think they could be uh, in that picture i think it's a you know if, if arizona colorado you know the teams at the bottom of the respective divisions look like uh, more likely candidates to sell uh, than miami but at the same time uh, you know there there can only be so many uh, you know so so many buyers and and so many uh, teams that are that are in that market but i would uh, i would think that uh, miami if they wanted if if miami decides closer to the deadline that they're not a playoff team this year, and they want to sell some of their veteran pieces oh, that, I mean, that aren't under team control. Garrett Cooper, Jesus Aguilar. Yeah. I mean, a couple of I mean, first base types that can really uh, that can really swing the bat. But right now, I mean, you've got Atlanta is right jo- now Joey, top w- Joey Wendell and Miguel Rojas, veteran true. veteran infielders that could maybe oh, true. May, maybe help uh, you know a, a team if, if Miami wanted to part with them too. But I mean, uh, you've got Atlanta right now would be your top wild card team. The, the Phillies and Cardinals are tied for the second wild card spot. San Francisco's two games back in Miami four. It, so, I mean, it, it's still, you know, they're, they're very much in the postseason picture right now. San Francisco's not having a bad season, uh, but because no. last year they were one of the best teams. Oh, last they were unbelievable year's, last year. Last year's San Francisco Giants were one of the best, well, had they, one of the best I mean, National they won League over seasons. They 110 games. Yeah. Last year. I mean, it took them, I believe it took them. Well over 115 games last year to lose 42 games. Yes, and they oh, are yes. you know they're they're at 42 losses now. The season is basically right now. The teams are just getting really early into the second half. I mean, we're just past the halfway point. Actually, 
this past weekend, just about everybody hit the halfway point. It felt like it was going to be tough for San Francisco to replicate, you know, that oh, that sure. success last year, especially. They, they, only, they didn't lose. Did they lose fifty games? Last year, I, I mean, it felt, it felt I don't like know that they lost fifty games. I'm, I'm not sure in they the did. regular season last I, I, year. I think they, I think they might have lost. They may lose fifty games by the All Star break this year. Yeah, and I mean, still be very much in the playoffs and, and still year. be in the hunt, but just not, yeah. not quite what they were last year. And especially when you have a, a Padres team that's improved uh, from last year, because I think that's mm-hmm. that you know not not to not to get all Philadelphia Phillies on them, but but the Padres would be a team that if they're healthy. And in the playoffs, I think that's a dangerous mix for anybody that they could come across, especially especially if that healthy includes Tatis. You know, if if they can get they can get Fernando Tatis in the lineup and and sneak into the playoffs somehow, they've got pitching, they've got defense, they've got a couple of thumpers. You know, in the in the middle of that lineup, and the fact that they with zero at bats from Fernando Tatis Jr. The fact that you're talking about a San Diego Padres team that's 50 and 38 mm-hmm. w- without having gotten a single at bat from him, if if you were to, yeah, and he's he's getting closer and closer. If you were to add him to a to a playoff team, I mean that that's that's as impactful as anybody you're getting at the deadline. Oh, you'll never you you won't get a player like that unless Juan Soto unless Juan Soto unless gets, Juan Soto gets unless traded. Juan Soto gets traded again. You're, no, you're, no, I mean. I forget. That's fantasy. Juan, Juan, no, the Giants lost 55 last year. They were 107 and 55. Juan Soto, last year. Uh, will he be a national uh, at the end of the season? I think he will. Yeah, I, I mean, think he will. It's you know that it doesn't seem like it's in their way, right? It, it doesn't seem the nat like the Nationals' way to right. uh, to to, Man, to sell a 23 year old superstar. I mean, if you if you know he's not resigning. You know, eventually you got to make a decision yeah, about you that. Can still but do that next year. Yeah, I, I, it feels feels like there are more obvious candidates for the Nationals to uh, trade away if, if they if they want to start speeding up the rebuild than uh, than Juan Soto. But a decision could be coming with, with Juan Soto and, so, and, and so that organization. Monday Monday will be a fun day. Day one of SEC Media Days and the Home Run Derby, and there's there's some guys that can that can crush. The ball that are that are uh, lining up to be in the home run derby. You think, you think they're going to see a three peat? They were going to see. I don't a... know, man. I don't know. I mean, with Schwarber, uh, Soto, Acuna, uh, and, and Albert Pujols. How about Pujols? Love Pujols. Is yeah, there. he's he's in the home run derby. Is um is Stanton doing it? Stanton's not doing. It. I believe. I haven't it's, um, seen anybody from the American League yet. Trying to see who from say the American they're going to be in it. No, I, I don't. They believe... used to be an even number from the American and National League. Now it's just whoever. I guess the first eight that say they want to be in it. I don't. Uh, I I don't think there's been an announced. Uh, I don't believe there's been a, a, a player from the. Uh, no, I don't for, either. I mean, American I think League. it's been all National Leaguers thus far. Soto, Schwarber. Uh, Alonso, Acuna, Alonso, Acuna Pujols. and Pujols are, are yeah. your uh, are your five all confirmed five national leaguers so far. Wonder who's going to do it from the uh, from the American League. I, I mean, I think there's probably going to be eyes on the two Yankees yeah, sluggers. Judge, if, if, I mean, if, Aaron if, Judge if, is leading the majors if, and homers. If Judge wants to do it, and you know he's not he's not producing like Judge. If if you told me Giancarlo Stanton's in a home run derby, I would yeah. say he's got a shot of winning the thing, no matter who else is in it. I don't care if it's you know it, you give me the the sluggers in 1998, and you know I I think Giancarlo Stanton's got a chance. A couple of angels that people might be interested in seeing in, in the home run derby uh, as well. You think if if they if they'd want to do it? So yeah, I think that's I'd something love baseball. The, yeah. I, I think that's something baseball. Starting pitcher, you know. He pitched to himself. Yeah, <laughs> he pitched to himself in the home run derby. No, it, it's uh, yeah. I think that that would be something from the you know the American League's got no shortage of uh, of, of guys who could maybe um, and and you know what you mentioned uh, the J D Martinez 
Mm-hmm. Is a is a replacement all star. He's been a replacement all star. Yes, he's also somebody who can hold You're his own. Right about he's that. also somebody that can hold his own in a in a home run derby type competition. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah. So so some of the news of of the uh, of the day, uh, as we've been talking a lot about SEC media days, um, with with Auburn's three representatives being Tank Bigsby, Derek Hall, John Samuel Schenker, Alabama bringing Bryce Young. Um. Will Anderson, well, yeah, and and it's, my uh, headphones and, went out. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah. It's, yeah, young, young and Will Anderson, I, and then it's uh, it's uh, Battle, right? Is yes, the, uh, is, is the third guy Jordan Battle. The um, Nick Saban was talking about where was the what was the the outlet where Nick Saban? I believe it was um, it was a podcast appearance with, with Greg McElroy. Is that is that the podcast uh-huh. appearance where Nick Saban yeah. talked about super conferences? I think that's something else that. I mean, I'm not going to be the one asking because I I have other you know I I have things about this upcoming season that I, that I want to know about. But I have a feeling that every coach is going to be asked about the thought of conferences getting swallowed up or the SEC expanding beyond Texas and Oklahoma and other sort of existential college football questions uh, that that could come up uh, during this uh, dur- during the upcoming uh, you know d- during during media days. And that's it's not something you. I mean, it's not something we were talking about at all before the Texas and Oklahoma thing last year, right? I mean, it felt like conference expansion had had drifted to the back burner a little bit until we learned that Texas and Oklahoma were, were jumping to the SEC. And now it seems like, yeah, I, I would be surprised if there's a coach that can get out of media days without being asked, you know, about their thoughts on, however you want to say it, expansion, super conferences, sort of the direction things are headed uh, with. Uh, and, and I guess the good news is, if you're an SEC coach, you feel better about your position uh, going forward than if you're answering that question at Pac-10 media oh, days. Oh, sure. Or... I mean, you you feel better at least as far as the organization you're you're aligned with right now, the league you're yeah. No, with. no telling you're the, still the coach of that organization <laughs> four no or five years from now. You'll still be but coaching in this league. But I mean, I, but coach. I but I feel for you know I feel for Jonathan Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. Who's gonna is gonna be asked those kind of questions oh, at, yeah. at media days, and it's like I don't know what you say other than you know here's here's hoping the uh, uh, you know here, you know uh, uh, speaking getting into realignment a little bit, Bill uh, Marcelo I, I thought had a really interesting piece uh, for twenty four seven's national. So Brandon Marcelo had a piece for twenty four seven's national page, sort of based on it was it was separating fact and fiction, and um, it it doesn't it gets into some of the questions we've wondered about. But it really does sort of lay the groundwork for a future where the yes, the SEC and the Big Ten exist just getting a lot more money every year than the other three conferences, but the other three conferences try to try to sort of compete in their own way. He also, I thought one of the more interesting things about our, our uh, about Marcelo's piece was the ACC contract is extremely difficult to get out of. He mentioned that for for individual schools that want to try to leave the ACC, mm-hmm. there's a there's a crazy fee, and then you also give yes. a percentage of media rights going forward from your new conference. It, you know, the, the ACC is entitled to sort of like your share of. But there's apparently some kind of something with ESPN. Yeah. And well, there's there's a couple of loopholes. One of them is that falls apart if eight schools leave the ACC or more at once. 
because the ACC at that like the, the ACC won't enforce that sort of thing if there was a right. That, if there was that'd if be there the was majority of the league leaving. If there was an exodus of eight schools, you know, four to the Big Ten, four to the SEC, or something, then then that that wouldn't be a problem for for those member institutions. And yeah, there's also an, an ESPN wrinkle uh, as far as what the uh, I, I don't know. That's and and I guess there's also a question of of how how that would hang up uh, how, how that would hold up in court. Uh, you know, if if they really want, you know, if, if a school really wanted to fight it, you know, how how the ACC could keep, uh, you know, could could want media rights in perpetuity versus a uh, versus a single payout. So, you know, I wonder, but uh, you know, Marcelo seemed to seemed to at least you wonder how much of its gamesmanship and how much of its you know folks sending up smoke signals and things like that. But it does seem like the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 are uh, you know are prepared for both the possibility of. Uh, of of folks coming after their remaining schools, uh, and and the possibility that they, you know there, there's work to do if if they're going to try to get on an even footing uh, with the SEC and and the Big Ten, and you know is is that is, is that how we is that how we end up with two super conferences that are are sort of driving the boat in uh, in, in Cal- I it's hard not it's hard not to to almost see that coming. Well, it now. you know a a comparison that that I would make is when I hate that I'm making this reference, Bill, but like when. When when wrestling expanded in the '80s and they went national, when when it, it was a regional thing for a long time, and then one organization just said we're, we're we're becoming national, and your options were, you better get national too and expand, you know, and, and expand with them, or you better close up shop because your your regional stars are going to leave for for that national brand, and if you're if you're a conference that wants to compete with the SEC with one football power, you better hope that one football power doesn't decide. They're going to the SEC too, because because otherwise your your doors are you know going to struggle to stay open. And you know I just wonder if you know if you're you know if if the if the Pac-10 and the Big Ten the Pac-10 and the Big Twelve and the ACC want to do that, the places that really prioritize football in those conferences, I wonder if they would have the appetite to oh, stick yeah. with those leagues or if they'd be looking for. Any possible way out. I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah. Keep keep a close eye and, on that. And that's not every school in those conferences, no, as far as no, the ones that no, really prioritize. Right. But there are a couple that mm-hmm. that really want to be you know competing with the best in football. And I just wonder if they'd be able to do that in in their leagues if their leagues are not on equal footing with the SEC or the Big Ten. We need to get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us as we wind it down here on the Tuesday Drive. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final few minutes of the drive here on this Tuesday. Been a fun show. Again, uh, our thanks to Barrett Salee for joining us in hour number one. Jake Crane for joining us here in hour number two. As, uh, as you know, we found out who all the representatives are for SEC teams at Media Days. Talked a little about the All-Star Game, the Home Run Derby. Yeah, it's, it's a fun time. Yeah, I think that between between super conferences and the chance that Nick Saban or, or Jimbo Fisher, you know, throws a punch, or yeah, that, that's Brian Brian Harson explaining, uh, you know, his, his version of events from this past year. Now, I think there's a, any number of things to, to look forward to, and and there's also, you know, just seems like 
it just seems like there's the the potential for a surprise, right? At SEC Media Days, whether that's a that's there always a, is, there, and and it's a great well, time. Last year, we found out about Texas, Texas and Oklahoma. And Oklahoma. It's, a, it's a great time because there's so many news outlets together at once. You know, for for someone to make an SEC related announcement, maybe uh, you know, I I, I could think. Uh, either either at, at Media Days or, uh, you know, in, in the Big Ten's respective Media Days. It's a great time to announce a new broadcast deal if, if you're if you're going to, you know, make make public the terms or something like that. So don't don't rule out the chance of, uh, you know, some breaking news, right, of a, of a, of a headline coming out of uh, coming out of SEC Media Days and, beyond and just a, what the guys are saying. Right, and again, a reminder that all the uh, seven hours of live programming that you hear here on ESPN 1067 going to be originating over in Atlanta. That's going to wrap things up for the Tuesday Drive. Jason Caldwell should be with us in hour number one tomorrow. So join us at four tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.